This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, a very good afternoon to you. It's just gone nine minutes past two on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. And believe it or not, yes, 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 two weeks to go to Rosh Hashanah. It is creeping ever so quickly, so much closer. It is just two weeks to go. Two weeks from tonight is the first night of Rosh Hashanah, believe it or not. And of course, as time is not running out, but as time is marching by, we have a tremendous amount that we probably need to do. Um, it's now at sort of touching distance, too close for comfort. And we need to start thinking not only about the apples and honey, the uh, tzimus, um the guests that we're going to have for dinner, or even our seats in shul, but perhaps where we actually stand, where we are, where we're up to, and how we can really face this awesome day of Yom Adin, the day of judgment that is almost upon us. Now, um, just to add to that, it says in this script, it's almost Rosh Hashanah, and you could start the new year with a real sparkle by winning a beautiful diamond on the Diamond Channel competition on Chai FM. That's right. The Diamond Channel is giving away a diamond worth 20,000 bucks, 20,000 rand, and it could be yours. Just guess the color and size of this magnificent diamond. That's right. Guess the color and the size. And it could be yours. It's so easy. The color goes from I to L. I think I've got that right. I to L. The size 0.4 carat to 0.59 carat. 0.40 carats to 0.59 carats. So you just need to do that. Uh, question number one. What is the color from I to L and 0.4 to 0.59? is uh, what you've got to fill in, and you send your entries to admin at the diamondchannel.co.za. That's admin at the diamondchannel, one word, .co.za. And guess the color and the size, the diamond channel, putting a sparkle in your eyes, but not a hole in your pocket. Well, what a wonderful way it would be to start off Rosh Hashanah, to start the new year with a diamond all of, all of our own. But what I want to talk to you about today, and perhaps a beautiful springboard into what we uh, are going to be discussing, is actually the diamond that's within you, the diamond of you, and how that needs to be cleaned, polished, nurtured, and looked after, so that uh, when we do actually arrive at the awesome day of Rosh Hashanah in two weeks' time, that we're there, we're ready, and we're prepared. Well, last week we spent some time discussing the mitzvot between man and man, thinking about each other, paying a little bit more attention to our um, diplomacy or lack thereof, paying a little bit more attention to our interaction with other people, working on our interpersonal relationships, whether they are with our dearly beloveds, with our beloved ones, whether they are with family members, with spouses, with children, with parents, or whether they are simply with our fellow men. And we spent some time exploring various avenues, various ideas of how we could think about and work on getting those all into their right and correct form. This week, I'd like to spend some time thinking about how we need to deal with ourselves. There's a relationship that uh, you have with you. There's a relationship between me and me. There's a relationship between myself and all the things that I have to do there. We use a very big word when it comes to that um, beautiful relationship that we're supposed to have within ourselves. 
And it's particularly when it comes to the time of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, this month of Elul. And that is that big word called Teshuvah. Teshuvah. Tshuva. Tshuva meaning usually translated as repentance. What is this repentance? What is this tshuva really all about? And how could we perhaps extrapolate it? How could we look at it in various different dimensions as to um, how we should be thinking about it and what we should be doing to work on it and to work on ourselves in the run-up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? So first of all, let's perhaps just analyze the word teshuva meaning or usually translated as repentance, is actually not quite accurate. When we think about the word repentance, I think that what jumps to mind in most minds is that to repent means to say I'm sorry, to say that I'm sorry, to um, apologize, and to fix up a damage that may have been caused by the thing that I did wrong. That probably would classify as repentance. So we've got all sorts of images of apologies, apologies to our friends, to our neighbors, and apologies to God for uh, promising to do something, not fulfilling it, or for not doing it in the first place, or for doing it wrong, or for making mistakes. We've got a number of ways that we could do this teshuva, this repentance. And we always think about the Baal teshuva, the person who has done repentance is someone who has said, you know, the life that I was leading up until now lacked in meaning, it lacked in commitment. I am now going to do a U-turn. I'm going to turn things around and I'm going to uh, head off in a completely different direction. And that's going to be the direction of complete adherence to things as much as I possibly could, to things of Judaism, to live my life as a religious dati Jew. Um, I'm going to become a Baal Teshuva. Well, is it as simple as that? And is that the only dimension of tshuva? What about people who regard themselves as already being there? What about people who um, may not be able to do that entire complete U-turn? Is there a space for tshuva for any kind of repentance um, within that kind of an application? And if so, how do we do that? Well, <coughs> we might think, that the tshuva being just repentance is, well, so I'll just make a brief contact with God, with the Almighty, before you to say that I'm sorry, apologize for everything, everything will be expunged from the record, and I can move into Rosh Hashanah, a free man, I can move into Rosh Hashanah with a clean slate, everything is done and dusted, it's all sorted. Um, is it as simple as that? Probably not. We probably need to take a look at a new definition, a slightly different definition of what this big word, teshuva, often translated as repentance, actually is. You know, if you take a look in um, regular spoken Hebrew or you take a look in any dictionary, you'll find that the word teshuva has a number of different meanings. It may be translated as repentance. It also may be translated as teshuva, meaning an answer. It also should be translated as return, from the word lashuv, meaning to return. The concept of teshuva really is returning. Now, simply put, the uh, whole idea of repentance, you might argue, is really returning. But we neglected to say that in our first definition because um, most people, I think, um, the concept of repentance conjures up this idea of saying I'm sorry, 
But, um, you know, we used to, as kids, often say, sorry doesn't help. Well, it's true. Sorry doesn't help when it's not accompanied with some kind of a decision to make good on the apology. It is fine to say, I'm sorry, but it's um, not so fine if you say you're sorry and you don't mean it, or you say you're sorry and you don't carry through on that apology. You keep on messing up um, on exactly the same thing for which you apologized. Well, then the apology is um, meaningless. The apology is an empty one, and it's not that readily going to be accepted, and certainly not the next time you come around. Will anybody be able to say, well, you are sincere in your apologies because we haven't kept to the apology. So the concept of teshuva is that one needs to apologize, and at the same time, or coupled with that apology, there has to be a resolve, a resolution, a firm fixing within oneself of not allowing the same thing to happen again. So just to say, I apologize for not having done X, Y, and Z, from a Torah point of view, from a Jewish point of view, from a tshuva point of view, is not nearly enough. It's got to be coupled with the effort, the energy, and the commitment to make sure that that apology is followed by some kind of an action to make sure, A, that the mess-up doesn't happen again, and B, or B, that um, the neglect is now filled by the space of doing what you had originally said you were apologizing for not having done. So we need to make sure that we have sincere teshuva, number one, in the realm of making sure that we have a hachlata, that we have a decision, not just charota. You know, we all know that word charota. It's probably um, the Yiddish word that uh, you remembered best from your grandparents and so on. The word charata means charata, meaning a regret. It's not enough just to regret something. One needs hachlota. You need a decision and a firm resolve to um, make good on that regret as well. Regret itself is not enough. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. We're going to continue with our talking about Teshuvah, about the concept of working on yourself. And as we said before the break, the idea of Teshuvah being this concept of making a resolution as well as um, the apology. Um, you remember many years ago coined that they coined this um, most ridiculous phrase that love means never having to say you're sorry or something like that. And um, in truth, you, you and I know very well that love means having to say you're sorry. God help you if you don't. You need to make sure that you do say you're sorry. And But the apology itself is not enough. We need to have the hachlata. We have to have the decision, the resolution, the resolve to move forward and not make the same mistakes twice, not allow ourselves to look ridiculous like um, kids who apologize and then promptly go and do the same thing again. So that's one concept, one idea that I wanted to share with you about teshuva, about working on ourselves. Well, how about this for another one? The idea of teshuva is um, perhaps taken from splitting the word teshuva into two parts, and that is tashuv hay. Tashuv hay means returning the hay. Well, what is the hay? What are we talking about? You know, if we think about representations of Hashem's name um, in Judaism, in Torah, um, the letters that probably the best 
predict or um, assume or um, direct our minds to uh, God is the letter Yud, which really is godliness or God, and the letter He. Those two letters, of course, when they're joined together, do spell one of God's names. But if we take the letter alone, the letter alone um, is a euphemism. It's an idea. It really is a symbol of uh, God or of godliness. If we think of the letter Yud, the letter Yud is really not much more than a dot, and really what it is is the essence of God and of godliness. When we think about the letter A, it is much more how God is manifest, how God then um, would move from, so to speak, essence into uh, being manifest in this world, in our lives, in everything that's around us, in all our mitzvot, in everything that we do. And perhaps here a suggestion is that Tashuv Hay means getting the godliness in the world back to where it should be. Now, we all have uh, ways and means of controlling all of that, um, not just um, in our own lives, but in a much, much deeper way for everybody and everything else. The concept of Tashuv Hay is much more about getting God back or the godliness that I need to get back into my own life and getting it by so doing back into this world, into the lives of this world. We're given all sorts of great and wonderful powers as Jews, as individuals, as human beings. And those powers are the ability to take things that are around in this world and elevate them, to make them into um, and bring out the godliness within them. Now, part of this is a whole recognition program to recognize the godliness within everything, to stop for a moment and marvel at the surroundings, at the trees, the mountains, everything that is around you, and recognize the godliness that's within it. How about in the people that are around you, recognizing the godliness that's within them? They may be covered over with all sorts of layers, of uh, the material of the physical world, but there is a godliness that we need to try and allow to radiate and to uh, come out from all of these hidden um, places within every dimension of this world. Now, the idea of Tashuv Hay, perhaps, is returning the godliness from within ourselves and allowing it to exude outwards. What about the concept or the idea of lining up or thinking about how am I bringing more godliness to this world? What am I doing from a godly point of view to bring that godliness out in this world and to get the godliness Lashuv, to return to actually where it should be. Um, I've allowed it within myself to become completely fudged. I've allowed it in myself to be completely glossed over. I've allowed it to become completely hidden by all sorts of layers of all sorts of things that I continually bring up in order to, I think the word is obfuscate, to um, really... Um, um, Put it in uh, on the back burner, not see it for what it actually is, and then to make sure that everything else comes first, and my sense of uh, gravity, my uh, essence of godliness, is very much put on the back burner. Well, what I've got to start doing within myself is to try and change that. To think perhaps about every small thing and then, of course, every bigger thing and then, of course, every big thing that I do and perhaps just to pause for a moment before doing it or not doing it and how it will actually affect the godliness within this world in a positive sense, of course, not um, 
refraining from doing it because I think that it's too little, but rather thinking about the great and wonderful impact and ramification that it could have if I did something that brought a little bit more godliness into this world. So my responsibility to the hay, to the godliness, is to not only ensure that it is evident and that it's brought out and that it is there for everybody to ingest, imbibe, and absorb, but the fact is that what I have to do is to return that godliness within me. I need to remember that as I wake up in the morning and I say, When I thank God for having returned my soul to me, what I'm really saying is, God, I know that my whole life and that my whole day and this hour and any time that I'm going to be spending on this earth is really all about how I can do a role, play a role, and fulfill your mission that you've given me and the reason that you gave me my soul and my body to function in this world is that they should be able to fulfill that godly role within this world. Now, if I'm not doing that, well, then I'm failing in my mission. If I'm not doing that, I'm not doing what I am meant to be doing. And if I'm spending all my time just worrying about myself and my physical needs and my material well-being, well, maybe I'm not fulfilling the actual mission for which I was placed in this world. And uh, this is why in the morning I say, I say, thank you, God, for returning my soul to me so that I can perform your mitzvot, so that I can learn your Torah, so that I can bring godliness out of this world and that I can bring more godliness into this world. And this really is my great job. So tashuv hei or lashuv hei is to return the godliness to its rightful place to make sure that it's got pride of place in my thinking that the first thing that I think as I do when I wake up in the morning is that the first thing that I do is I think of God and godliness and how it will impact my wrongdoing how that will impact on the godliness and my right doing how that will impact on the godliness and increase it and we've got to remember at the same time the tremendous power that we have in the performance of mitzvot. You know, a mitzvah lined up against an avera, a mitzvah lined up against a sin, God forbid, is not one for one. It's not um, a, an, an equal equation because mitzvot are far, far more valuable. So the power of a single, seemingly small, maybe insignificant kind of a mitzvah over and against a whole list of different averot, of different sins, either sins that we have gone out there and actually done and made huge mistakes with or things that we have neglected to do, um, the mitzvot far, far outweigh those. So we've got to remember that going into this program, we are at a huge advantage that we have the ability to perform these mitzvot, that we have the ability to do them all and to bring them into this world. And we've given, therefore, the greatest and the most wonderful formula of how we can elevate, how we can pick up the levels of godliness within our own lives and therefore within this whole world. Lashuvhe, tashuvhe, tshuva, returning the godliness in our lives and in this world to its correct and in its rightful place. Perhaps we could also suggest the idea of tshuva, which really means lashuv, to return. The concept of returning. We ourselves have to return to the right place. We ourselves have to go back to where we should be. We've drifted. We've gone a little bit off the derech, as they, as they like to say, which means 
off the rails, off the road. We have uh, erred. We have gone astray. We're not exactly where we should be. And there is an obligation at this time to keep our focus on getting back onto that road. You know, I once saw a little slogan that said, you know, God allows, or Torah, Judaism, allows U-turns. Um, you're not allowed to make a U-turn on a highway. You're not allowed to make a U-turn in certain parts, in certain places, although judging by the way that people drive in this here town, um, it seems that anything goes. But um, U-turns are permitted in Judaism. You're allowed to make that U-turn. We're allowed to make mistakes, and we're allowed to turn around and fix them. And this is what this period of time is really all about. It's about Teshuvah. It's about making that U-turn, getting back ourselves to where we should be. And that could be on a myriad of different levels, on a myriad of different um, uh, strata and in completely different ways. But primarily, I think, it is about and demands a tremendous amount of self-honesty. Um, I've said it before. We'll say it again. It's a lot easier to wake up in the morning and find faults in everybody else. It's a lot more difficult to wake up in the morning and look yourself clearly and squarely in the mirror of uh, life and say, what am I accomplishing? What am I worth? What am I, what am I actually doing? And not in a negative fashion, because this is not about only being negative and saying, you know, I'm a worthless, uh, useless nothing. Um, while that may be something that each and every one of us needs from time to time, just as a little bit of a, an adjustment to our thinking and to our arrogance, um, it is important for us to spend some time taking a long, hard look at uh, where I'm up to and what am I doing and uh, what am I doing to contribute to the well welfare of people? What am I doing to contribute to the godliness in this world? And what am I actually doing to make me a better person and make me the kind of person that I really should be striving to be? So teshuva, it's this big, big word that this period of time is really all about. And it's probably ultimately a combination of all of the above and then some. It's probably a combination of all of these ideas and then a whole lot more. But it is an essential, essential ingredient in this period of time. We keep on talking about it. Teshuvah, teshuvah, tefillah and tzedakah. These are the things that we focus on and um, spending a little more time each of these days focused on that Teshuvah is something that is of paramount importance. This coming Shabbat, we come to a very, very significant date in the Jewish calendar, and that date is the 18th day of Elul. This Shabbat coming up is the 18th day of Elul. Now, if we think about, um, obviously, that uh, today then is the 15th, we're right in the middle of this month of Elul, um, as we said just two weeks ago to Erev Rosh Hashanah, um, two weeks' time on Wednesday, of course Rosh Hashanah being on the follow- on the next day, the Thursday and the Friday, um, we are thinking about and looking at this month of Elul in its uh, last days, in the last part of the month as the moon begins to wane and we've passed the middle um, of the month, we now are thinking about what time do we have left? Well, the 18th of Elul is um, a significant date. We know that the number 18 is very significant in um, Judaism per se. Of course, it spells life. And there are many who refer to the date on this coming Shabbat as Chai Elul. 
and Chai means life. It is the life force of Elul. And one of the ideas, perhaps linking with what we've been speaking about, we'll elaborate a little bit more um, after the next break, but let's just think about here the idea of the fact that if it's the 18th, we have only 12 days left um, until the end of the year. And in those 12 days, we are told we should focus (coughs) on our tshuva, on our repentance, for each of the months of the year that passed. So since they're 12, each day will link with a month in the previous year. So the 18th will link with Tishrei of last year, the month in which Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur occurred. The next day, the 19th, will link with the month of Cheshvan, and then Kislev, and then Tevis, and Shvat, and Odor, and so on, all the way through the Jewish calendar year. And the idea is to spend some serious time thinking about what happened during that month. What did I do? What did I accomplish? How much did I achieve? It's hard. It's difficult. It's not that easy always to remember um, how everything lines up and where it was. But this is truly what we talk about when we think about a cheshbon hanefesh. We need to make an accounting of the soul. This is part of this teshuva process. And in the last 12 days of the month from Shabbat onwards until Rosh Hashanah, that is really what we should be focused on, thinking about how I can get back to where I should be, how I can get the godliness back to where it should be, and how I can really make these last 12 days of this significant month and the significant year all that much more valuable. I'll be back with you after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. We've been talking about uh, Teshuvah and thinking about these uh, last days of the month, the latter part of the month, and thinking about, of course, the days leading from the 18th, which is Shabbat, right up until the end, and thinking about the Teshuvah, the return, the repentance, and getting back to where we should be, that um, all of this actually demands. Well, Fascinating um, 18th of Elul, which is otherwise known as Chai Elul, is actually the birthday of two great individuals. It is the birthday on this coming Shabbat of the Baal Shem Tov, who was the founder of the Hasidic movement, as well as a couple generations later, the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, both of them amazingly born, um, probably about 50 years apart, but um, on the same day, on Chai Elul, on the 18th of Elul. Now, these great um, individuals, these great luminaries, I think we could safely say, really set out and were responsible for a, in a large way, for changing the face of um, Judaism as we know it today. You know, we take it for granted that there is such a thing as Chabad all over the world. Uh, we take it for granted that there is the concepts of mysticism, Hasidut, Hasidus, um, study of all of those things that happens today all around the world. We take it for granted that there are outreach programs that um, people understand the concept of reaching out to those spiritually less fortunate than us, to those who perhaps are otherwise unschooled, unlearned, and so on. We kind of take it for granted. It's become very much part and parcel of the Judaism that we have known all our lives and that we certainly do know of late. And um, it was in no small way due to these two great luminaries, to these two great individuals, um, the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism, and the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneer Zaman Briefly put, the 
founder of Hasidism, Rabbi um, uh, Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, as he was known, was a great, great scholar, great, great mystic, and at the same time someone who recognized and realized that um, there was something drastic that had to be done to um, prevent the polarization of Judaism, you know, um, People set out today to try and think about what is wrong with a community, what's going wrong with um, Jews, with Judaism, with the world per se. Um, well, here was this incredible man who saw the fact that the whole Jewish world was going to be thrown into complete disarray with the neglect of the time to the lesser fortunate people, um, and I'm talking about spiritually lesser fortunate, less fortunate in terms of their learning and so on. And he reached out to those people, to everyone, much to the chagrin of all the um, uh, great scholars of the time um, who perhaps didn't have his incredible foresight. And he taught the power of the soul, the power of the individual, the power of a prayer uttered by a an ignorant person and how powerful that can actually be and how that can actually change um, the complete landscape of Judaism um, for the future. And um, he founded Hasidism, recognizing the um, latent goodness within everybody, recognizing the godliness within everything, and trying to bring that to the fore, that it was not just totally dependent on scholastic ability, on learning on uh, the ability to um, have accumulated knowledge and so on, but that simple folk have a very, very real and important part to play within this big tapestry called Judaism. Um, the student of his student, who was otherwise known as the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneel Zaman of Liadi, founded what is known as Chabad Hasidic philosophy. He took all the um, great and in-depth teachings of the Baal Shem Tov and then, of course, of the Magid of Mizrich, who was uh, the next in the, gener- in, the, in the generational lineage. And he took all of that and he interlaced it with a, a philosophy called Chabad, Hasidic philosophy, Chabad being a, a make-up of the three words, Chochma and Bina and Da'at, meaning, loosely put, Chochma, the stroke of genius or um, um, wisdom, Bina being elucidation, extrapolating it from there and bringing it into some kind of a concrete form, and Da'at then, of course, the uh, knowledge or the application of... Uh, <coughs> of the first two um, in a practical fashion into a way into this world, understanding that um, or explaining that every action and every emotion and every involvement and interaction that we have both of an interpersonal as well as an inter between ourselves and God kind of a, a realm that every single thing that we do passes through that kind of a format. And therefore, what the Alter Rebbe did was he placed a wisdom and knowledge and understanding um, overlay on top of or into interwoven inter, inter, inter with the uh, teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. I know that I've been very, very liberal in uh, the way that I've described this all, but these two great um, men um, brought about a rapid and a huge transformation of uh, the entire Jewish world as we knew it then and certainly as we know it now. And their contribution to, um, to modern-day Judaism cannot be 
um, overestimated in any way. Where would Judaism have been um, were it not for their incredible input and for the fact that so much and so many have returned to Judaism through the great and incredible systems and the great and incredible power of um, uh, soul-felt Judaism that they explained, that they brought to the fore, and that they brought to each and every one of us. And so on this day, on Chai Elul, um, yes, Hasidim call it the Chayus. They call it the life force of Elul for a very different reason to the one we explained before. And that is that here we got this incredible input from uh, these wonderful greats of a great system of Hasidism that was uh, really born or that really came into being on this day, on Chai Elul, on the 18th of Elul. And what a prophetic kind of a day and date it actually is, if we think about it in terms of being right where it is positioned, just 12 days before uh, Rosh Hashanah and uh, the Yamim Noraim, these awesome days that are all but upon us. And so... It is probably incumbent upon each and every one of us at this moment, at this juncture, at this time in the year to think about um, the next couple of weeks, how we're going to utilize every moment of every day to make sure that we bring ourselves just a little bit closer to where we should be, that we try and return ourselves to the position that we actually should be in from a spiritual point of view in order to be able to face and meet and greet uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That we're going to spend some time thinking about um, the areas, the realms that I can improve on, that I can turn around and that I can change, that I can fix, that I can rectify. And at the same time, think long and hard as to how I'm going to spend those last 12 days contemplating the year that passed and, of course, at the same time, making resolutions, a firm resolve to do a little bit better in the year that lies ahead. I'd like to recommend that we don't take on too much um, and that we make empty promises, but rather let's try and make commitments to ourselves that we certainly can live up to and that we certainly can keep. And in that way, we'll not only be accomplishing everything that Teshuvah is really all about, but we'll certainly be contributing to uh, the um, improvement of the wherewithal of our entire community, of our families, and, of course, of the entire world. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a a wonderful Shabbat up ahead. Um, Remember that Shabbat of Chai Elul and I look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week, Wednesday at a few minutes after two, right after the news. Wednesday next week um, in the week building up to Rosh Hashanah. I look forward to talking to you then on Judaism 101.9.